0: and welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back with our game week 20 preview, plenty to talk about as always. My name is Chris Hopkins and I'm joined by, by his own Boxing Day to my Boxing Day, Andy Case. Andy, I went, I did a four hour round trip to Milton Keynes and I was served a very bad pint of Budweiser before the game. And I saw Colchester United do absolutely nothing for 80 odd minutes and then they completed an 89th minute goal to lose one nil your boxing day elation in the end elation late in both of or well, for both of your teams and uh, you were there to witness one of them
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, in some ways it felt a little empty uh celebrating an equalizer, particularly when it felt like if anything deserved to to potentially win the game. I mean, Leicester were going bananas about a penalty decision, so it seemed and um yeah, I mean I think most of the commentary is that it is that it should have been. I think it was it was a close one, but Uh, I can see why the ref's like not giving it at full speed but anyway yeah you probably feel a bit aggrieved if that's not given against you but besides that fully deserved to at least come away from it from from that game with a with with a draw so yeah Um, that was a even though it was an equaliser not a winner like the pent up kind of like we'd just been attacking 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 and then the release of the of the goal was, was was brilliant. Yeah. And then yeah, also coming out to seeing. I mean at halftime I thought Ten Hag was was getting the sack. And uh the team have managed to rally and, and probably save his job. So um yeah, first Premier League goal for Hoyland as well. All all going well. I mean my expectations were probably low for both games. So that helped with the elation in both too. You I mean as much as your boxing day was disappointing. What were you expecting out of a trip to Milton Keynes to watch Colchester United?
0: Yeah, not a lot actually. Um, obviously, you know, me being um, you know broadcasting superstar, I was interviewed uh, before the game for a an MK Dons fan vlog, and they asked me for my score prediction, and I went with for three nil to MK Dons. So, if anything, we you know, outperformed my own individual expectations. Um, but yeah, it's it's just. It's just very depress. It's just a very depressing watch. I think at the minute, there's a lot of. I don't. I don't expect us to go away to a team that pass the ball a lot and have a lot of possession and dominate the game. But I think you have to kind of maximise your counter-attacking opportunities. And you know, when we do get some, when we do get the ball, it's the inability to string a couple of passes together that I find very frustrating. Um and yeah, I could do a whole podcast on 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 us at the minute because it, it it's it's not it's not a great watch. Um but then I think when you do have a backs to the wall defensive job and your keeper makes a couple of good saves and stuff and then you lose it in the 89th minute to bad marking from a set piece, it, it is a bit it is a bit it is a bit not yeah, it's a bit it's a bit horrible. And then in stoppage time we hit the bar and we have a goal disallowed for offside, rightly disallowed for offside. Um it appeared from it didn't look it out at the time, but yeah, haven't seen the replay.
1: Um, yeah, I think you just kind of got got. Yeah. Well, having seen you Take watching it. watching Colchester United, I'm sure you took it very reasonably at the time when when the offside flag was up. So I'm 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 very
0: relaxed now. I'm very zen. I don't say a lot for the whole game. I just just soak it all in and. Uh, and observe with my eyes rather than getting too 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 angry about it. So yeah, I've changed. I'm a changed man. All right. Yeah. You believe it when you see it, don't you? Yeah, anyway, let's, uh, <laughs> let's let's talk FPL. Plenty uh, plenty to be thinking about, particularly for those of you on a wild card. And we'll come to that. little bit later and we're going to do another condensed show this game week so we will be running down the game week fixtures and we will have a quick chat about this week's talking points and we will go through the radar and captaincy but nothing to swim against no caught in the honey trap and no game that we like to call who the heck is stat this time around just trying to maximize mine and andy's time as best we can uh, during a busy festive period. Let's start, however, by, as we always do, by running down those all important game week fixtures. Your FPL deadline for this game week twenty is Saturday the thirtieth of December at eleven a.m. UK time. There is a twelve thirty kickoff, and that's Luton hosting Chelsea. There's a number of three o'clock kickoffs that day. We've got Aston Villa playing Burnley, Crystal Palace playing Brentford, Man City playing Sheffield United, and Wolves playing Everton. And the tea time kickoff is Nottingham Forest playing Man United.
1: On Sunday the 31st, New Year's Eve, we've got Fulham versus Arsenal and Spurs versus Bournemouth. A New Year's Day fixture, Liverpool versus Newcastle, and it drags on to Tuesday the 2nd of January this game week with West Ham versus Brighton.
0: So final, final opportunity, Andy, to use to use the, your first wildcard. So if you haven't used it already, it's use it or lose it ahead of game week 20. Is there a part of you at this point, and that like, for me, there's never felt like an obvious opportunity to have used it thus far. Is there part of you that's, that, that is lamenting leaving it so late just because because of Christmas and because of everything else that's going on in, in our personal lives, you don't have that much opportunity to really um, dig into to your wildcard, draf, wildcard draft and think
1: about it quite as much as you would ordinarily? Um, not really, no, because there hasn't been a better opportunity to use it. So I don't really feel like I've lost out. And also you can't predict like Haaland injury that's keep, kept him out for a few weeks, right? Because if it wasn't for that, and we're going to come on to some updates on on news about Haaland. But like if, if Haaland was definitely playing against Sheffield United in this next game week, no brainer, Salah and Son are going to AFCon and Asia Cup respectively. You want Haaland in your team. It's a good opportunity to make that happen um, without using loads of free transfers and whatever so um yeah i mean ideally it would have more time and, and the reason we do it, some part of the reason we've done these condensed shows is, is because of obviously personal commitments as people will understand many game weeks in a very short period of time and we're both very busy so like you know coming up with wildcard drafts isn't high on the agenda but like i yeah i personally don't feel like i could have used it any better time anyway so no no, no lamenting going on over here i don't think how about you is a little bit. I think it is a bit frustrating just trying to, to plan it without a sort of full calendar week in
0: in, in in how we maybe would normally think about it. But but yeah, I don't regret not using it earlier. I don't think that was a particularly opportune moment um, for, for me and my team structure thus far. Um, obviously, what we were one of the reasons I guess Andy why we or you and I at least had, had saved it was because of um, you know what was what was to, to happen to the football calendar. Now, uh, you know, going into January, the African African Cup of Nations and the Asian Cup um, are are going to be taking place. So there's plenty of players from the Premier League, and indeed, in theory, uh, various times this year, from our own teams that we're going to be leaving um, to go to to go, and, and, and likely to be missing game weeks 21 to 24, depending on how how far into those competitions some of those players go and obviously yeah, I think at various points this season you know, we've owned and and we've owned Salah and we've owned Son so you know all of those big name assets were you know would have would have been going um also it felt like an opportunity after the club world cup to bring Erling Haaland back uh, had yeah, had you got rid of him um for you know for, for their blank um it feels a little bit trickier now i guess because um Haaland isn't isn't fit uh, from what we've heard from from Pep Guardiola, yeah, he didn't play last night in in game week game week 19, and from what Pep has said, it sounds like he's going to be back at some point in January. Um, but yeah, still hasn't still hasn't trained with the side, so I guess there's a bit of a question mark for us about whether to bring him into to, to you know, bring him in in your wildcard. It's um, obviously very difficult to get in. Yeah, you know, with one transfer, unless you're leaving yourself with a lot of money in the bank, but there might be some managers now that are willing to hold on to to Salah for an extra week, um, or 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 or, or try and think about you know their wildcard, card maybe if 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 they're on it in a slightly different way
1: to what we'd to what we'd planned, and it has thrown something of a spanner in the works a little bit. I mean it has a bit yeah i mean as i mentioned on the last show you can get him in for 13.9 mil now rather than 14 so there's a tiny tiny upside of a, a little saving there but but if you do that you're yeah he for, look, we can't always trust Pep. We know that. But from what has been said, um, I guess I can get the exact quote so people can make their own minds up. But this is the quote from from Pep in in his most recent press conference. Still, he's not with the team, Haaland, that is. He feels better with his bone, but he hasn't made one training session with us. Unfortunately, December is so congested with so many teams. January is so congested. Hopefully in January, he can come back with us. So, you know, this next fixture obviously is not in January. Uh, maybe that's being too sort of specific about it, but it doesn't sound like from those words that he's expecting Haaland back in the next like two days before that fixture. So um, yeah, that 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 is then, even if it's 13.9 rather than 14, it's 13.9 mil on your bench in, in game week 20 if you do bring him in when you've got this wildcard opportunity here to spread the funds around. I guess the the counter to that would be If he does appear in 21, which seems likely because game week 21 fixture for City isn't until two full weeks after this game week 20 fixture, you know that's the middle of January. You know it sounds like there's a reasonable chance it's Newcastle away, so that they're going to want City for that game. He has a big break either side of it because it's the winter break game week where it's spread out over two weeks, and so City don't play again for 10 days after their game week 21 fixture. They've got an FA Cup game. Between game week twenty and twenty one, meaning he won't he 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 has a full break until then as well, you know. There's a reasonable chance, basically, is the point that he if he if he's almost or basically fit, he he could well play in twenty one. So, you know, if you're going to want to be getting him back in, like the week after this one, w- you wouldn't be spreading the money around with your wild card anyway, because you you you'd need it in the bank or or in 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 one individual player, I suppose, Salah. And then you'd be taking a minus four would be the other option of, uh, for getting him back in. So there, there, there are different options. Uh, and other, another choice, I suppose, would be to gamble on Haaland not playing the full 90 or if he does play, hopefully keeping your fingers crossed that he blanks in 21 so that you've got two free transfers to use in 20 um to then redistribute some of that money and maybe uh, sorry in 22 and 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 bring him back in um so it's kind of a gamble really i suppose in yeah keeping Salah for because Salah doesn't go till 21 maybe keeping him for one more week with Newcastle at home Newcastle been very open recently, got torn apart by Nottingham Forest this game, we can actually have had the, the second worst defensive numbers over the last few game weeks, albeit they've got most of their starters back now, but still, you know, that there are some people thinking that's a very tasty option for Salah, so um, yeah, there are some ifs and buts there basically, and, and, and there's risks to all the different options, I guess I've just mentioned, but um, you know you just as much as you could argue it's risky going without Haaland in 21 maybe you know you could argue it's risky going without Salah in 20 so you, yeah stuff you've got to navigate.
0: Yeah I think I think it, it, if anything this is this is the part, um you know this is the occasion I feel where yeah, uh, you know you know it would be great for us to you know, spend a bit more time, maybe almost vocalizing some of these, but then we end up talking about our own teams too much, and that's not something that we really do in the FPL FPL Lounge that much. But but yeah, I'm I think all of those options, as you say, have that have their pros and cons, and and at this point, I'm not exactly 100% sure what what I'm thinking. Part of me that feels feels like having having Harland in my, in my wildcard draft, and then but then just kind of you're banking on him being back for 21 and benching him for 20 but because as you say otherwise you've got to almost leave the money in the bank and you're not spreading the saving round so yeah it's a little bit tricky I think the only other thing is just worth going through and and you did allude allude to it there Andy. you kind of what what the upcoming schedule is and so we've got game week 20 uh, this weekend kicking off on 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 the 30th but it does run until the 2nd of Jan um, and then the uh, week after that is is the FA Cup third round, so no Premier League action. Then the Carabao Cup semi final leg one, uh, and then game week twenty one. But game week twenty one takes place over a fortnight because of the winter break. So yeah, half of the matches will be played in that sort of, that first week, and half of them in that second week before a Carabao Cup semi final uh, leg two and FA Cup round four before game week twenty two. So. So yeah, there's um, not a lot of Premier League matches over over the over January really. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see to see when when Harlan comes back. But yeah, it, it does kind of make 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 that wildcard a little bit more stressful than uh, than perhaps we we envisaged. Um, let's move Andy to our radar now, and no one on the centre of our radar this game week. But we do have a new face on the mid range of our radar. He was an upgrade from the fringe last game week, and that is. Pascal Gross, 6th um, in the game for expected goal involvement in his last four, 7th um, for XGI in his last six and we've also had the news that Ms. Karen Matoma and Simon Adingra are both out for Brighton and I think obviously they were both due to leave to AFCON and the Asian Cup but um, the injuries ruled them out of, the, of that tournament so they're also not going to be, play, be playing in game week 20. Um, Brighton also top of the ticker Andy so Pascal Gross looks more and more likely to be playing, to be starting, he seems relatively rotation proof for Brighton anyway Um, but they don't have a a great deal of attacking options and him getting further forward and affecting the play um, means that he could be quite quite reliable for for returns it's his
1: price I feel that we aren't that great fans of. Yeah 6.4 million so not like completely obscene um you know premium price uh but but yeah ideally we've i guess we've been a bit spoiled recently and um you'd prefer him to be a little bit less but look i mean we've said that any brighton attacker that you know is likely to play is is probably a decent option right and with the number of um you know injuries and various other things that going on at, at, at brighton that mean gross is pretty likely um to play in the team somewhere um and, 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 and those fixtures, yeah, that that does that makes him probably someone people would be interested in. But particularly what then grasps like mine and Chris's eye and gets him very much on our radar is those underlying numbers. To be sixth in the game for expected goal involvement in, in his last four, I mean second in the whole game for expected assists. Um, in, in the last six yeah and then chuck in some good fixtures there's loads of like positive factors here just to run through those next six for Brighton which put the, puts them top of the of the fixture difficulty ticker that is West Ham, Wolves, Luton, Palace, Spurs, Sheffield United as the as the next six fixtures so um, yeah his competition for places obviously is is, is diminished and um, 6.4 isn't like I say in the context of this season feels a bit more than we'd want it to be but we've been a bit spoilt this season and, and for someone in, in quite an attacking team who who's likely to play a lot of minutes it's not I don't think an awful price.
0: Yeah I think it I, yeah I, th- I think that's the key we've only really ever got on board with Brighton players this year when they've had a lot of injuries and it's we've kind of been scratching our heads as to who else are they going to play? And I think that's, you know, that brought me to, to bring in Evan Ferguson at one point this year because it felt like, um, you know, I think Danny Welbeck was injured and Jail Pedro might have been might have been out or, or, or definitely wasn't getting a lot of Premier League minutes. Um, and that kind of feels like where we're at with Gross at this point. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I don't think... Given the amount of rotation that's usually in a Brighton side, and, and the fact that Gross has been playing fullback at points, um, it wouldn't really lean us towards him. But ultimately, he's been playing more advanced. They've had a lot of attacking injuries, and 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 he's kind of reaping the rewards in terms of the underlying creative numbers. So yeah, I think uh, with that fixture run as well, I think he's well worth consideration, um, particularly if, but, yeah, particularly for for those wildcard and might be looking to, um, to 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 make a host of changes to their team. And we'll move outwards, Andy, to the fringe, and uh, I guess the headline fringe pick is Trent Alexander-Arnold here. Um, Long-time listeners to the pod will know that Andy and I, I think often more so than basically anyone else in the FPL community, really kind of we really find his price a huge barrier. And this season more so than ever, uh, starting at £8 million, but about the minute at £8.4 million. Pounds, it just feels very, very expensive for a defender. And I think that's probably why Trent uh, at no point is going to really be higher on our radar. I don't think he's, he's ever likely to, to, to make the centre, and I think the mid-range would, would, would still be quite a stretch, um, but obviously his underlying numbers could could improve, and the fact that they have improved is, re- is one of the reasons why he's on the radar at all. Um, obviously, we know what his footballing ability is, and he can create lots of chances. I think he's top of uh, chances created, and big chances uh, over recent matches quite considerably, but Liverpool's underlying defensive numbers have also improved a lot. I think when you couple his assist potential along with that increased clean sheet likelihood, even at 8.4 million, which does feel a stretch, he has to be worth some strong consideration,
1: Andy. Yeah, well I think both of us, because we're on wildcard, have obviously got a little bit more liberty in mind in terms of our thinking with transfers, so maybe that's influencing it a bit too, and obviously the Haaland money or potential Haaland money affecting things um, you know give giving us more freedom too but 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 that aside i think yeah it is more so you know to get, to try not to disparage us too much i think it is more so the increase in both liverpool's defensive underlying numbers and Trent's um, output underlying numbers too, as, as you mentioned. I mean, he's created eight big chances in his last six games, which is more than anyone in the league by a long, long stretch. I mean, second is uh, kudasevsky Dwight McNeil and Lucas Pakatar on five each. So yeah, well ahead of anyone else there. He's sort of fifth or sixth in the game for expected assists. Obviously, linked that's linked to that. Liverpool have moved themselves up to third best in the league behind just Arsenal and Bournemouth for um, non-penalty expected goals conceded in their last six games um, and have a... what I think looks reasonable level of fixtures i mean they're not appearing particularly high up our fixture ticker but and a lot of that is to do with arsenal away um in being one of the games they've got in the next six but if you take that out um they've got newcastle at home this game week which on newcastle's current form doesn't necessarily pose a huge threat then bournemouth chelsea burnley brentford uh so it doesn't look like an awful stretch to me for for liverpool um and yeah obviously he's been he's he's getting very very far forward as as we know that as you say the price is is a little bit of like a barrier there. I uh, Definitely don't like him being 8.4 million. Probably can't justify that like long term. And I guess that's the risk as well Why he's on the fringe is that like I could definitely see myself wanting to transfer him out if I do have him in my in my team. Um, at some point later down the line because as soon as those numbers drop off at all on either side, the attacking output or the defensive solidity, he's just not worth, like he has to be sustaining both those to be anywhere near worth 8.4 million for me. But at the moment, whilst he is, you know there's there's not many players that can offer on both those fronts i suppose one thing to mention as well which you haven't sort of said here is is um he 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 always seems to get in the bonus and it's a quant it's almost like a quality you can't describe although you can because the bonus point system drives that it's but it's an and it's an algorithm it's data driven but i'm not sure it's completely transparent i think people have tried to recreate it so there's some content creators out there like statisticians who i think have had a good go at getting reasonably close to what's in it but we, we we know we know that sort of i think what drives it for trent is a lot of completed passes um and that Seems to like he's had three bonus in four of his last six games, and he had two in one of the others. So, like, you know, that's a significant amount of the available bonus. I mean, in the last game, it was even to the point of ridiculousness where he had no attacking returns. He got booked, which is usually a huge damage to your bonus point score. Like, you know, we've seen people on three bonus get booked and then be out of them completely. But because he must be accumulating so many points in that algorithm from his various like passing and everything else he's doing, um, even the yellow couldn't bring him down enough to keep him on three bonus points um, in 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 that game with with like I say no attacking returns. So um, yeah, I guess that's something to take into consideration too. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was pretty outrageous that he he came over with
0: three was, as you say with no attacking returns, given that there were four Liverpool attacking returns in, in in that game, and he didn't he didn't get any of them. Obviously, he did get a clean sheet, but so did a couple of other defenders for Liverpool. So, so yeah, it's uh, he, he is pretty pretty unprecedented. And as you say, I think you know what 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 what's there a Trippier doing particularly well, or even the Robertson at the minute uh, is not. You know, he he is so far away the most expensive defender in the game, but he also has um, some real upside at the moment. I think there is some concern from you know in Liverpool circles that Endo going to the Asian Cup might reduce their defensive solidity. I think he's after a bit of a shaky start has kind of made that number six spot of his own and is definitely helping as a as a shield. Um, not sure if McAllister is going to be back soon, but he doesn't feel like a six ever anyway. So yeah. I, might be some concern if, if those defensive numbers do drop off a bit, as you were saying, Andy. Is kind of as soon as either of them do, then you would definitely can cons- be considering shipping him off at that price, and um, particularly you know maybe after Afcon uh, when you're looking to, to to free up some money to bring in some some more expensive assets back. But but yeah, I think for now he he's, he's definitely worthy of a place on our fringe. Um, given. The Harlan news, Andy. Uh, we're going to have to include Julian Alvarez on the fringe of our radar, but alongside Phil Foden as well. Foden increasingly playing central. I'm not sure if that's in in Harlan's absence. Well, it feels like he's played there quite a lot this season. I think he was even saying after the Everton match last night, where, where obviously he did score, hit the post as well and got the Man of the Match Award, that he, he just loves playing central. Um, I feel like they're both pretty good picks at the minute at the minute you know there's not not going to be a load of underlying numbers for Phil Foden I think he tends to create something out of nothing or sometimes score score goals out of nothing the goal last night was was outside the box but it was a really 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 good strike um but there's just something I think everyone everyone that's listened to this podcast for a long time will know what, what what we think of him Julian Alvarez feels Less like a good option, but then in Haaland's absence, he's going to be the only player that's going to be playing up front, um, and he's I guess in De Bruyne's absence, both are, you know, both Alvarez and Foden are going to continue to get to get starts, even though you know, Alvarez is sometimes are, are a little bit deeper. Um, but short term punts, these two players are going to be are, are going to be pretty good, and 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 yeah, Sheffield United this game week, and then a the Newcastle that, as you say, just been carved
1: open by Nottingham Forest. Um. Yeah, there's definitely some appeal there, isn't there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe we are being influenced by both being on wild card and like this is like Trent maybe a bit more punty and short term than than we usually would. But like, someone's got to fill the spots of of hard of Harland or Salah or Son or whoever in your team if if you're not going to have them for the various reasons that they're unavailable. Um. And and. Like yeah, they're both very, very talented players, obviously, and and yeah, Foden is the number 10 because of no Haaland, I think. I think, obviously, Alvarez has been playing there in KDB's absence, but will now be playing as the number 9 did last night, and then, therefore, that frees up the number 10 spot for, for Foden. Um, yeah, and, and as you say, uh, there's there's a, a fair amount of kind of well a huge amount of upside for sort of both of them. I mean, I suppose the one of them, uh, Julian Alvarez, does have underlying num- a lot more in the, in the in the underlying numbers column. I mean, he's actually third in the game for expected assists and, and in the last six matches and sixth in the game for um, expected goal involvement at all, um, including the fact that he's obviously like on penalties now. Um, yeah, uh, obviously with uh, Haaland being out, he took a penalty last night, so that's kind of proven that to us a bit more, which is which is helpful for him. Um, and he's he is ultimately only six point eight million. I guess Foden's a bit more, is he seven point something um, as a midfielder, which in the context of midfielders maybe is a bit more pricey. But Alvarez's context as a six point eight million striker playing through the middle for a very creative City team who have Sheffield United at home this game week. I mean, even if you are going to bring it's, it's difficult. You probably can't have Alvarez and Harland because later down the line that might cause problems. But like, if you're gonna not, if you're gonna go down the route of not having Haaland for this game week, it's almost like, why not have Alvarez and then he's the one that you sub out for Haaland when you when you bring him back in because, yeah, he's going to be on pens and he's going to be playing some some attractive fixtures in the next few game weeks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as you say, for a seven point six at the minute. So, so yeah, relatively relatively um, pricey for a midfielder and, and yeah, owned by eleven percent, so there you know, there is some some I guess loose differential advantage to having him, but yeah, I mean I brought him in on a flyer a couple of game weeks ago, and I think he's he's done reasonably okay for me. Obviously that 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 blank in eighteen wasn't helpful, but but I knew about it and I was expected, but yeah, I think there's just there's an appeal to getting a way into City at the minute. I think either one of these is 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 fairly you know, a fairly reasonable reasonable way in. Um, the rest of our uh, fringe, Andy. The rest of the rest of the radar even is uh, very similar to, to, to last game week. Cole Palmer remains. He's dropped down quite considerably in the uh, expected goal involvement rankings, but still has a, a nice price. Chelsea with some decent fixtures, um, so yeah, no real reason to, to to get rid of Palmer at the minute. I think, especially those on wildcard, he's probably going to be your cheapest midfielder unless, unless you're. Know, really going for a four and a half million pound player. So, so yeah, I think he's he, he, he's well well worth it. Um, Esri Konza remains as well. Um, Villa still with good underlying defensive numbers despite conceding three goals to Andy's beloved Man United on Boxing Day. Um, but Conza, rather than just Villa defenders generally, uh, still feel you know, feels definitely like the the way to go. Um Started at right back again against Man United with Diego Carlos and, and Clement Longley coming in to. To centre back, so yeah, he feels like the the, the safest route for minutes uh, for a team with good underlying defensive numbers, and then Jarrod Bowen's going to stay there. I still think there is maybe some concern about West Ham's uh, attacking creativity when Kudus goes to Afcon, but but Bowen's underlying numbers are great, and obviously playing out of position at the minute for for his price, which I think is probably similar to F- the one Foden's price that we just mentioned. Um, Bowen feels like a, a a really strong pick and. Yeah, he's um I'm gonna say it now, Andy, he is unless there's an injury between what that that I hear about in, in a David Moyes press conference before the deadline, um Jared Bowen will be in my wildcard.
1: Yeah, well, I think fair enough. I think I can see him in a lot of people's wildcards at the moment, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, fourth for non penalty expected goals in the game is, is a pretty good... That was the case last week, and it still is now. So, I mean, yeah, not only would might the creativity decrease, I suppose he might well move to right wing if when Kudus goes to, to AFCON. So that may be risks that a bit but I think he's been good enough this season both at right wing and through the middle that it seems like you can you can kind of take that punt on this wild card and if you need to, to transfer him out later down the line because West Ham's numbers for whatever reason do really drop off then then so be it, yeah Um, We've got a few players
0: just to briefly mention uh, that aren't quite making it to the radar Christopher and Kunku is going to feature on this section of the pod for the what, fifth week out of six or fourth week out of five I think Andy now um, but he obviously he did get his first start in a Chelsea shirt against Crystal Palace, and I think on the eye he looked pretty good. He was coming deep there quite a, quite a bit. I think he definitely felt like he was in that number ten position rather than up front. But some of the passes he was he was he was laying off. He looks like he's he, he, he's going to be you know, pretty good pretty good asset. Um, you know I guess we're going to wait and see whether the underlying numbers come um, and whether he does end up starting up front once Chelsea have got all of their players back. Um, but yeah obviously got a goal off the bench in their previous game which i don't think we had time to mention uh, in our game week 19 preview but, but but yeah i think he's um first impressions of him that i've seen at least i'm fairly impressed um and another chelsea asset andy that, that i'll just add in and maybe you can talk about the other two marlo gusto uh, i think reese james has definitely had uh hamstring surgery so chelsea don't have great underlying defensive numbers but 4.1 million for a way into that team and a guy that's, that, that's pretty attacking I think given Chelsea's slightly lopsided back four, which is often um, often the case now with, with teams uh, you know, Col- Levi-, Levi Colwell isn't going to be an attacking threat down the left, uh, so Malaga Gusto is going to have to, licence to roam forward down the right and to get an assist uh, against Palace, so, so yeah, I think the 4.1 million presents pretty good value I don't think I'll be spending much more on a Chelsea defender at this point
1: yeah, no, and also worth saying about the fact is that Chelsea have got good fixtures here, right? The, ne- the next uh, five, they've got Luton, Fulham, Liverpool, Wolves, Crystal Palace. Um, so obviously the Liverpool one not looking great. And then they do have City after that as well. So I suppose that's not great. But look, four of the next five, very good looking fixtures for, for Chelsea. And yeah, 4.1 mil for a starting defender it's great full stop never mind the fact that there could be some defensive improvement potentially there for, for Chelsea. And yeah, I really want Nkunku to play through the middle. Like Cole Palmer's been so good just keep him at number 10. Jackson's the one who's been useless in the team. Play Nkunku through the middle because you got Sterling to come back as well. Um Fingers crossed, that's what Poch does, but but yeah, we'll wait and see. Um, yeah, I guess again, maybe we're influenced by the by the the fact we've got a wild card, but it seems worth mentioning. There's a lot of like ifs and buts and people to consider. And I think we heard the news um from Brighton that Esther Pinyan is going to be on the bench this game week. Um, so he can't be on the radar, but the fact that he's back fit enough to be on the bench means he's going to be back in the team soon and as we mentioned Brighton have the best fixtures coming up over the next six game weeks I mean after West Ham this week let's say Esther Pinyam were fit enough to come back in the team soon he's got Wolves, Luton, Palace, Tottenham, Sheffield United and and haven't had the best underlying numbers defensively. They've been mid-table, but we're used to them being higher than that, right? But still at 4.9 mil, when he's been playing other points this season and last, he's been like the best attacking defender in the game. So 4.9 mil with his attacking upside, very, very attractive. And then just a couple of like striker shouts. Well, although one of them's a midfielder in the game, Gabriel Jesus and Richarlison, both players that, again, Chris and I aren't usually fans of. They're consistent XG underperformers. But look, they're both going to be playing up front. With with, with Son going to Asia Cup, Richarlison's minutes are are much, expected minutes are much improved. Um, He's got a much greater chance of playing more regularly. And when he does, he's likely to be through the middle. He has scored in recent game weeks. So, uh, yeah, at six point something million here, 6.8 or something. And he's going to be getting five points a goal playing through the middle for a Spurs team that do seem to be able to keep... Um, creating chances with Koleseski and Johnson coming in the team, so um, yeah, a, 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 a high upside option there. But we've, we've, I guess he's not on the friend he's not on the radar because we've we've fallen into this trap the very last time we used a wild card, which was essentially the start of the season with our unlimited transfers. So I'm a little bit burnt there. And Jesus, yeah, I mean we must have said it a million times over the course of this podcast, but um, when he he's ultimately Arsenal starting forward, one of the most creative. Teams in the league, and and he doesn't score as much as he should, and he does cost eight eight odd million, which isn't ideal either. But they've got a reasonable run of fixtures too coming up. Arsenal, they're actually second on the ticker. The next three in particular: Fulham, Crystal Palace, Forest. Um, and and yeah, he's 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 going to be the one getting the chances for them. So even if he can take some of them, um, you're going to get returns. No Chris Wood on the radar, Andy.
0: Uh, I wonder why. Despite his hat trick, that's him. I feel feel bad now for for singling him out but but yeah let's uh let's wait and see before we all get
1: wood wait i mean not a consistent goal scorer does it need to be more said than that absolutely not
0: uh right no swimming against the tide no caught in the honey trap either so let's move straight on to captaincy andy and i mean we've written on our sheet here on our pre-pod notes that harland if fit but i really not looking like he's going to be fit unless Pep Guardiola is lying to us and I don't know if we're going to hear from him again now before the deadline there might be some press conferences uh, I guess I guess Friday maybe um so yeah we'll have to wait and wait wait and see on that if we get any any more detail but I think broadly we're going to have to be looking elsewhere um and that's not that's not what what we were expecting um before, before his injury and even before Sissi jetted off to, to Saudi Arabia. Um, but Mo Salah is going to be a fairly reasonable option. And, and, and yeah, as, as, as we've just kind of alluded to with, with Chris Wood, um, Nottingham Forest absolutely tore Newcastle apart. Obviously, Chris Wood get, uh, got the headlines for, um, for his hat-trick, but it was Anthony Alanga out wide and, and Morgan Gibbs-White picking up the ball in, in a number 10 position that, 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 that also really caught the eye. For for Forrest against against Newcastle and, and and Salah has been more creative this year than perhaps uh, in, in seasons gone by. We've we've definitely seen in his underlying numbers a greater expected assists sometimes than than expected goals, or at least the ratio being a bit closer compared to, compared to normal. Um, but given Newcastle's defensive issues at the minute, and Kieran Trippier even calling out calling out some of, some effort and focus, I think from from, from players, um, it's a real opportunity to get on board with. Liverpool's best attacking asset before he goes off to AFCON.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously you've got the quandary we mentioned at the start about whether you actually even keep him or not. But um yeah, I don't think Newcastle, particularly the fact they're playing them at home, is 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 a fixture to be to be afraid of. I mean, like I said, second worst over the last six games for expected goals conceded. And some of that is is because they've had injuries and stuff. But the last couple of games have had pretty much a first choice defence, and yeah, there's still been mistakes and 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 uh getting pulled apart by teams. So uh yeah, if you concede two point two XG to Chris Wood, you you can't be thinking you're a you're a solid defence at that point in time. So so a good option. And I think although if Haaland's not fit, as we said about Alvarez and Foden on the radar, if they've got Sheffield United at home and they're playing in and they're in their attacking positions against them, um, yeah if the uh, the bottom line is the difference here with this captaincy segment as we always try to distinguish this is not about who do you bring in your team or not although that might influence your thinking ultimately if you own Alvarez or Foden you have to be surely strongly thinking about them as a captain option against Sheffield United at home yeah i think that's i think that's a fair point and yeah i was i was, I was probably a bit too a bit too
0: hasty to skip over uh, that fixture in general but but yeah i guess um I think if I own them all, I guess Salah would, would would be the guy. And I think I think it's also fair to I guess say at this point, um, there will be you know lots of listeners that that will, that will have all, already wild carded may have been thinking, oh well, I, I could get rid of Salah in game week, game week nineteen, uh, or ahead of game week twenty, given that Newcastle would be a difficult fixture before he went to Afcon. But I think at this point, we'd definitely be saying hold, 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 because yeah, Newcastle look pretty, pretty atrocious. Um, and therefore, if you are going to hold on to him for one more game week. Uh, and and you've already used you know, used your wild card and it's just it's just free transfers to get rid i think we'd
1: be looking to um stick the armband on him and hold him for one one more week well, well yeah and you've got the double whammy of you don't need the money to get harlem back in so if you're a non-wild card actually the quandary is a little bit more straightforward for you isn't it you keep salah this week and then see what happens yeah exactly exactly um ollie watkins against burnley as well Andy must be
0: uh, it must be looked at as as a pretty favourable fixture, obviously, and I, we've, we've looked at Aston Villa's fixtures in general, and and, and they seem relatively favourable. Um, I don't think Ollie Watkins did he get a return against Man United? I don't think no, he didn't. Did, did he? But um, but yeah, obviously he's had a lot had a lot of returns in, in in recent game weeks, and and the game against Burnley, whose underlying numbers have got better, they're not quite as outrageously bad as they were earlier in the year, but I think they've also had a a nicer fixture run. At this point in the season than perhaps at, at earlier points um so, so yeah I think, and you expect Villa to to win that game and win it fairly comfortably so Watkins therefore has to be a good option
1: yeah I mean again yeah. like, like with the others you could have a debate about whether you'd bring him in your team or not now like if you haven't done so already almost have you missed the bandwagon but the point here is if he is in your team they've got Burnley at home they create quite a lot um be that their creativity did drop off in both games against United, Manchester United and Sheffield United so maybe some signs of like I don't know regressing to the mean or whatever but I think the longer term we've seen under Emery for the past like 12 calendar months has been has been very good and yeah Watkins should get chances against Burnley so it has to be in the thinking if he's in your team sure
0: Absolutely, and then Arsenal forwards against uh, against Fulham as well. I think have to be have to be noted. Um, you know, Fulham seem like some weeks they look unplayable, and other weeks they look like they're almost the Premier League whipping whipping boys. I think, given what Arsenal can do creatively, you know, even though this game is away from home, um, yeah, I think that they've, they've got to be looked upon fairly favourably. Um, I guess uh, I guess in theory, Andy, you know, we mentioned him already. Chris Wood at home to Man United is a is a gimme fixture, isn't it?
1: Oh, here he is. Yeah, he's trying trying to be funny. Um, I mean, yeah, I think uh, at least I haven't had to go all the way to Milton Keynes to watch my team concede in the 89th minute. So cool. could be worse. Could be worse. Could be worse. But anything on those Arsenal assets? Seriously, uh, on the post? well, on the Arsenal ones. Yeah, I mean, Fulham have been a little bit better, although that's been more so going forward than at the back, right? And yeah. Arsenal will 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 have chances in that game you'd you'd expect you? I suppose it's hard when it's a comparison right because if you've got one of Salah or Watkins in your team you, they're both at home so you're probably just about favouring them aren't you um there's probably not many people that don't have either of Salah or Watkins um for this game week but but I mean yeah if you are if you are in that situation um are. I mean, I suppose we're saying this before we've seen Arsenal's game against West Ham tonight. That the Thursday sure. Sunday turnaround is is a tight ish one. Um, there could be fatigue. There could be injuries happen. So I guess that's something to be careful of. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, well let's leave it there, Andy. Uh, let's yeah let's bring this one into land. But I guess if I'm if, if if any of our listeners are on their wild card and don't have any idea what they're going to do. How can they get in touch with us to find out?
1: Well, they can find us on X, formerly Twitter, and Instagram at fpill_lounge. Let show us them wildcard drafts. It'd be very helpful for Chris and I because we don't have much time to do our own.
0: Yeah, exactly. Let's uh, let's all let's all think about it together and all have all have a group plan. I think that seems the best way to go. Uh, do also remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, especially helpful for us at this time of year. Uh, Despite the busy festive uh, fixture run, uh, Andy and I are going to now take a little bit of a break and we won't be back until game week 21, uh, which isn't until mid-Jan. And obviously that game week is spread over a fortnight as well. So I think you'll only be hearing from us at one point uh, until the very end of Jan. Uh, But yeah, so Andy, you have a lovely new year. I don't think we'll speak before, uh, but until game week
1: 21. Thanks for joining us in the FPL lounge.